Welcome to the eighth episode of CTO Coffee. Today I'm talking with Alex Schladerbeck. Alex is currently the head of software quality and test consulting at a company called Redex. And she just received the most influential Agile Testing Professional Person Award in 2018, which is like the most awesome title of an award, actually. Today, we want to talk about empathic management. But first, let's get to know Alex a bit. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. So, yeah, I am. My job title is that I am head of software quality and test consulting. That's a place that I've got to through being a tester, being a test consultant, being a product owner. And as a general rule, not being able to stop talking and asking questions. I have a team of 15 people and I'm growing testers and developers now as well, which is how I get onto the idea of, uh, of, of management and, and thinking about that. Interested in all kinds of things. I love exploratory testing. I love test automation. I love agile. And I am, I think the most important thing about me is I love learning. And so any new role that I get into, I, or any new situation, I kind of think, okay, what can I learn from this? And one of my best ways of learning is putting that together and telling other people about it. So uh, having the chance to talk about something that I'm actively learning at the moment is is really exciting. And I'm really, really looking forward to discussing this with you. Yeah. So why, why, why not start with you? When we, when we talked about this episode before actually doing this recording, we came up or you came up with this topic. On the one hand, I've... I have an idea what, what this means, what empathic management might be or what my understanding is. But of course, I'd be interested in what your, let's say, definition or idea of empathic management is. Yeah, so I have, I have kind of a, a working hypothesis because this is something that I'm very much, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm very much finding it out as I go along and also being influenced by people who I follow and people who I talk to. My current kind of short way of describing it is that it's servant leadership with more heart. So I, I really like the idea of servant leadership, that I am there to make other people be able to do their things, to do their job, to do a great job. And that's fantastic. But there is the element of human connection missing for me from that. And so, yeah, I, I came up with yeah, servant leadership with heart. And actually, there's a really lovely example of this in the media at the moment, um, which is Jacinda Ardern, the President, the, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. So there was the awful attack there, I think, last week. Um, and just the way that she has been doing things, she's been visiting mosques, she's been hugging people, she's said that the state will pay for funerals even for the people who, who weren't New Zealanders. And that is just a fantastic example, I think, of, of being, the, being the servant that your, your people need, but also doing it in a way that shows that you're vulnerable and open and that you're a human and that you see them as humans as well. So um, that's uh, it's unfortunate that we have to have that we have to see that through times of, of such trouble. But that's a very, very good example for me at the moment of what that looks like. So, yeah, like you said, the core of it, or maybe less than the core or more of them is, is certain leadership. So, yeah, putting putting yourself into service of other people is at the core of it. But at the same time, with while experiencing the feelings of others and trying to understand them and... Yeah, that, that's, that's always like something that I always bounce back and forth is this, should we be more em em empathic towards people or should we be more sympathetic towards people? So this slight but kind of important distinction between empathy, em empathy and 
sympathy always kind of gets me. I've, I've been looking at that and and, and, think, and thinking about it. And so I, I checked up some definitions as well. So sympathy being caring and understanding, um, which is a good thing. <laughs> Empathy being feeling, experiencing the feelings of users being in their shoes. And the interesting and nice thing is that empathy also lets you have positive empathy. So sympathy, we only ever really use in a negative sense. You have sympathy if uh, somebody's cat has died, if they're having a bad day, all right? But empathy can also be a positive thing that you can be really excited about their uh, their successes and what's going well for them as well. And um, while I was looking at these as well, there's another there's another word that comes in with these, which is compassion, uh, which quite literally means to suffer with. And that then again, when we when we see people who are who are suffering, that we actually want to help them and help alleviate their suffering. I for me that the and, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to this later. For me, if I'm empathizing with somebody and they, they are suffering, I, I am already suffering with them. That is, that is part of my definition of empathy. And there are dangers with that. So for me putting, I, I don't yet, I'm wondering if this is something I have to learn. I don't yet have the capability to say, okay, I can experience your feelings. I can put myself in your shoes, but I can somehow cut off the fact that that makes me feel sad or happy or whatever. So the happiness is not so much of a problem, right? Uh, feeling happy because someone else is, is a lovely thing, but uh, you don't want to necessarily be feeling angry because someone else is feeling angry. And that, that can be one of the dangers, which is I'm sure something that we'll talk about. But yeah, I, th- those, are, those are some of the definitions that, that I've read about. And I think for me, uh, the reason that I, that I talk about it being empathic or empathetic management is because that's the only way I know how, that, that is just how I'm built. And so I have, it would be unauthentic of me to not do that. And that's where, that's the one where I fall. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot because that's basically me too. When, whenever I was in a kind of management position, like you just said, it, it would have been inauthentic for me to not care about the people. And, uh, and I think that that's one of my strengths about how I got here as well. At least I'd like to think so, right? Being good with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I'm, I'm a strong believer in, in the kind of like software delivery as the all-encompassing, not only software development or operations, but the whole package of how we develop software and put it in front of users is at its core is, is a social activity. Got this from, from a previous episode where I talked with you, Julia, about something. And this... Yeah, because it's a social activity, it's kind of kind of lends itself to think about that what what makes someone great at this is some social skills or social activities like feeling the we're experiencing the feelings of, of another and at least understanding them and not just going over them. But yeah, what what you said earlier, one of the challenges of empathic management or being empathetic towards your people, be it your users or the people in your, on your team, is that whenever there are negative feelings, like someone experiencing grief or angriness, then it's kind of hard and maybe also not, not constructive to, to also experience these negative feelings. I mean, you, you said something along the lines you have... 15 people on your team. So just, just imagining that a third of them are, <laughs> are experiencing grief or ang- anger. And then, yeah, what would that do to you? Like experiencing five times grief, five times anger, that would be kind of hard on you. 
but I have to, I have to work on sustainable pace as well. I have to still be here next week. <laughs> yeah. So, so those are the kind of the balancing acts that you do. And I think it's worth it, but I also have to make sure that I look after myself as well. Yeah, to- totally. I don't know if I read it in a book at some point, or I don't know where I got it from. Yeah, I have this thing in my head that leaders cannot have bad days. And this clashes especially hard with, of, of course they can, but yeah, this still clashes especially hard with empathic, some kind of empathic management where you're there for people or you feel their feelings or understand their feelings. And if you see, see I don't, I don't necessarily see that it has to clash because I think that this is a two way street. I, I like to describe my style of management as well as empathetic. Yes, but also holistic and vulnerable, which means that if I am seeing you as a whole person, I also want to be a whole person too. And that means I have had conversations with my, with my team or with people. And if, if I've had a meeting and I know that somebody is in a bad place in their project and they really need some consulting from me and they really need me to, or, or some coaching and they really, or need just me to listen. And if I, for whatever reason, because of stuff going on at home, uh, so my, my mum was ill uh, last year and I told my team, I said, my mum is ill at the moment, but please, that doesn't mean don't come to me. I just want you to know this thing about me too, because I am also a human. I'm also a full human. And there was one, I think it was, I think it was around that kind of time. And I knew I had, I had a meeting with two people after each other. And I knew that I could not be the person that I, sh- that I needed to be for them. And so I said that to them openly. I said, look, we, we can do this. I'm willing to do it, but I know that I'm, I can't be the person I need to be right now for you to get the best out of this. Can we wait until tomorrow morning? And they both said yes. <laughs> um, so I don't think, I don't think it, has to, it has to clash because the idea shouldn't be that I'm this superhuman thing that, that, never, that never has my own feelings. I like the, the idea of being vulnerable, of saying, I'm also a person, I'm also bringing my whole self here and, and having that conversation. Because otherwise, you know, they could come in if I don't have that conversation, they come, oh, Alex wasn't very helpful today, you know, and then, <laughs> and then maybe some trust is broken. So it's, it's hard. It's again, it's a balancing act because the last thing that I want is some people to say, oh, Alex is really stressed. Her mom is sick. I won't tell her my problem. On the other hand, it does mean that they might go, hmm, Alex is having a bad week this week for whatever reasons. My thing really isn't that important. I can talk to her about it next week. And that's, that's a nice decision to make for any human, whether it's your manager or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, one thing I was wondering is, to me, you kind of answered it already in, in parts of it, at least, is that why, or, I mean, it's not an official thing, like, I don't know, management mm-hmm. by objectives or stuff like that. I like inventing things. <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. No, of course. I was just wondering, is there anything specific to why give give this a new name? I mean, you, you already said it's certain leadership with more hearts, and that's that already in itself is enough reason to, to give it a new name. But yeah, maybe there's there's a more to it than, than than that name. I like giving things names. I think this is partially because I, or it comes a little bit from studying linguistics. I having names for things. Oh God, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into linguistic relativity here. It doesn't, if we don't have a name, it doesn't mean that we don't have a concept for it, but if you label something, it makes it easier to talk about. And then there's the side of this from testing that having labels for things and models for things is one of the things in testing that we are, one could say sometimes a little bit too excited about, <laughs> but this, it makes sense. One of the Having something to build a model and some ideas around and to distinguish it from other things. 
Uh, and even if that is a label that's a work in progress and, and maybe somebody will listen to this and say, hey, Alex, uh, did you not know that this already exists and it has listening? Then awesome. And then I've learned something and I can go read about it and I maybe I won't make quite so many mistakes. But it gives us something to talk about and explore around. And that's, that, that's, it's just important for me to, to be able to do that. I'm quite pleased with the definition of servant leadership with heart. I, I haven't, I haven't broken it down any more than that, but now I have that. I have a label. I have a first definition. I can start looking at things like this belongs to it. This doesn't belong to it. So I can already say, for example, that this isn't, this isn't a hierarchical thing because hierarchy is the sort of command and, and control um, system. First of all, doesn't really agree with servant leadership and also doesn't agree with being empathetic with people because basically you're seeing them more as automatons, robots, people who have no no real designs and desires, I guess. Uh, they just have to do this thing. And I think I think it fits in incredibly well with with more modern approaches in terms of doing having an I guess having an agile mindset, seeing things as people problems as well. And then all of the stuff that's going on in at least in the testing community that I'm reading a lot more of about bringing your whole self to work, about work life balance, about looking after your mental health. Um, these are intensely important things that need to start having their place in management styles. And I think that we haven't been talking about that for long enough for there to be so to be big systems around that yet. I might be wrong. I, I you know, I'm, I'm wrong at least 50% of the time. So this might be one of them. And uh, I, I don't think so, because I've also thought a lot about and tried to read a lot about management stuff and um, talk about or talk with other people about it. And yeah, I, I've also had this kind of problem like, okay, I didn't manage to come up with such a great definition as you did, but <laughs> it was kind of yeah messy, messy stuff in my head, and we haven't managed yet to to come up with how to manage like this messy personal emotional side of the human in us to how to bring that into work and how how it influences our work and in a positive and negative way. And it does it. It intensely does. If if people are, are happy and fulfilled at work, they are they are more productive, and they're more happy and fulfilled, which is actually for me very important. And and if things are going on and in in whatever, if they're not happy with something, if if something is going on at home, then and this is a difficulty because you can't force people. You can't force people to tell you things that the cat's sick or or that their bird flew away or whatever to take hopefully examples that aren't going to make too many people upset. But you. You can't force them. You can only be open for it and show by example that this is a thing that you are willing to talk about by talking about it yourself, by them having, hey, you know, I went and told Alex about this and, and she was fine with it and it was okay. It, it just makes sense because I, I don't leave, I don't leave 90% of my personality at the door when I come into work and I don't expect anyone else to either. And this is, like I said, this is a thing that we're only really starting to accept in the last few years, I think. Do, do you ever already have some, some kind of, now, now that you have a definition and a name and can start to model it, you have kind of like the, maybe like influencing factors or practices that come along and help you? Very much of it comes down to trust. You already said that yourself. But yeah, and how to build that trust and even if it's not related to trust, like what, what are the influencing factors from your point of view? Yeah. So I'm building, I'm, I'm kind of trying to build like a little, a little rule book for myself again, because having something that I call a rule makes it easier for me to see whether that's true or not true or true for me or true for other people. And so a couple of the things that I have already are 
that I don't want to put any member of my team in a situation that I wouldn't be willing to put myself in. There's that's never a one-to-one thing. I because I, I don't I don't do the deepest the deepest darkness web automation. So there's no point in me saying, right, I'll go to a customer just to see what that feels like. But if it is, this is a new customer, this is a new area, this is a new technology, then I according to my understanding, I need to be willing to be doing things like that as well. So I need to be actively leaving my comfort zone, telling people that I'm doing it and coming back and saying that went well, this went well, or this didn't go so well, actually. I I, I want to be the person that's showing that this is okay. And this is why I do things like, so specific practices, I'm always learning. I try and pair with developers and with testers as often as I can to learn more about the things that are going on. And if there are things to do at customers, um, that's maybe the first time, uh, then I go along or I do the first one because it's scary for me too. I have a little bit more experience in dealing with that fear, but it's scary for me too. Uh, and at least then I show that this is an okay thing. So that's, that's one thing. I, I have a rule of yes or tomorrow, <laughs> which is that if somebody, my, my, my calendar is, is ridiculous. It's always full. And so, but if somebody comes to me and says, Alex, have you got time to talk? The general rule that I have is either yes now or within the next 24 hours. Obviously, I'm never going to be able to 100% do that. But what I am willing to do to follow that rule is say, well, I'm traveling later. Can I call you from the train? If that's better than nothing. What you can sometimes do, and this depends on how well you know the person as well, is to say, okay, is it to gauge from the situation how important it is? Not like, is it really important? But to say, if it's important, I will make the time for you now. And then to let them have that, to have that decision. So nothing is more important to me than somebody standing at my door saying, Alex, I, I need to talk to you. And so that's, that's a rule uh, that I have. That I'm testing, right? <laughs> so far, it seems to be working quite well. And, and that's cool. Um, I'm also, what I'm also trying to do with this is kind of try and propagate it in encouraging people to speak directly to each other if they have problems. So none of being empathetic uh, doesn't mean never having conflict. It's interesting to hear myself say that because you wouldn't necessarily think that, that one should uh, preface the other. For me personally, I'm quite a, I tend to be quite a harmonious person. I like it when everybody likes each other and we're holding hands and smiling. And that's not always the case. And so sometimes there are conflicts and, and learning to deal with those and teaching other people to deal with those again in a way that says, I see you as another person. Um, there's a lovely, I was reminded about this the other day from Gita, that we always, you know, we always assumed that everybody at the time was doing the best that they could with the resources and the information available to them. And also to put ourselves in the perspective of, I think this is something from Jerry Weinberg, but I've only heard it from, from other people, of assuming that there is a reason why the person has act like, acted like that. And that reason is not going to be because they wanted to annoy you. Uh, so, <laughs> and sometimes that's really, really hot. And so, so these are the things that I'm kind of playing with. I have, I'm, I'm building up a bit of a, these are my rules. This is what I would tell other people. If everything goes well, I may actually get to present this at a conference later on in the year, which will be a lovely way of getting feedback on it from other people as well. And yeah, just being, just being open as well in how I'm doing things and why I'm doing things. Saying when I've made a mistake, which like I say, I do. Um, and just and sh- leading by example that shows that people can that show that people can trust me and talk to me. That's the that's the theory. I love those rules. They're great, great already. When at, at the same time while listening to to you just talk, um, it's one of the fundamentals of yeah managing or leading or whatever is that you have to accept messiness that people are messy and the problems or challenges, they, they, they are also always messy because 
yeah, and how, how, for example, what popped in my head, the question that popped in my head was like, how do you teach people to, to handle conflict in a constructive way? I mean, you can talk about general stuff like, I don't know, nonviolent communication or something, but, but still it only goes so far. And yeah, so how do you, and accepting that messiness in terms of somehow have to teach people to, to get along with each other and accept that everybody has a bad day here and there and, or yeah, everybody has a reason for acting the way they do. And so maybe they want to share it from that reason, but most likely they don't want to. So you have to assume and yeah, you have to assume at least somehow good intentions, even while sometimes maybe feeling betrayed or hurt. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's hard. It is intensely hard. The thing I'm practicing and I'm encouraging other people to practice, and here's, here's the crazy thing, because I want other people to practice this, it kind of forces me to practice it because otherwise I'm not being a very good role model. So I'm, I'm being pulled to greater heights by, or pushed to greater heights just by the fact that I want to have other people being the best that they can be, which is that if, if something has happened, take that person and to talk to them about it. I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're really, really upset, you might want to give yourself a couple of hours, but to talk to them about it pretty close to the event because otherwise what happens and I've seen, I've had this happen to myself and I've seen it happen in, in a lot of other uh, situations. You go and talk to someone about it, someone else, this becomes a, uh, this becomes an event for you. It becomes an event that's part of a pattern that only I know about. And the, the dangerous assumption is that we think that every time the person has talked to us and we've seemed upset, that they have that same pattern recognition in their head and they don't or they don't necessarily, or they interpret it differently. And so if I take one concrete thing and go and talk to them and say, look, this is this thing. This is what happens. This is how I felt. And then you can, then you can use the specific, specific nonviolent communication strategies, or you can, anything else that you've learned in your communication classes, but actually just going and having that conversation. What I've noticed is even if the person doesn't give you the thing that you wanted, they don't give you an apology, they don't move from their position or whatever. I usually just feel better by the fact that I've got it off my chest. And then if a similar thing happens again, I mean, this is, this is where it becomes hard because if you're having a similar conversation with the same person over and over again, then that can get very frustrating and you feel like you're, you're prodding and prodding, but it's the only way out. And then, then maybe the two of you realize after a while, Hey, we, we still kind of have this, this kind of problem. And maybe we need to go and have somebody moderate or mediate a discussion for us. But I think that we have a tendency first and I do this exact, I do the same thing. The first person I run to is, is someone else like HR or something. Oh my God, this person really annoyed me today. And she, she's been telling me this, like, have you told them? <laughs> no, I was hoping that you'd magically, magically fix it without me having to have a conflict. No, that doesn't work. So, and, and that's the thing I'm practicing. And, and talking about and telling people about and, and suggesting that they do as well. And that's, yeah, that's part of the style as well of, I don't quite know how it fits into to empathy. It, maybe it fits more into the servant thing. I don't know. Maybe there's another, another element of it saying we have to address conflicts and we have, we do that in a, in a kind way. We, we, we don't, we're not unnecessarily mean, but we talk about the things and how they made us feel and, and how we'd prefer to see things. That's, that's part of that working together on that level. I think we do that because we care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's a kind of a prerequisite for, for empathy because in order to be empathetic, we have to have some kind of shared, yeah, shared perspective or similar experiences. And yeah, that's if, true. And if we're kind of, yeah, confused by someone's reaction or by someone's yeah. acts, 
then that's a sign that we don't have that shared perspective for this specific kind of experience or for that specific kind of acting of the other person. So in, in order to build that up, we, we need to have the talk, have to have a conversation. And I had a very specific example of this yesterday. I, I did something that I thought was good as a manager and it did not have the effect that I wanted it to have. And made me, I don't want to go into too many details, but it, it made me feel really frustrated um, and really, really unhappy. And also, which is an unfortunate thing, um, something I need to learn to stop doing as well, completely doubt my whole, <laughs> my whole approach. And I very, very nearly emailed you this morning to say, I can't, I can't do this today. I don't believe in myself enough that I can talk about this today. And then this morning I went and found the person and had a conversation and that conversation was good. And we both realized that we'd made errors that we could have dealt with if we'd had the conversation sooner or quicker or whatever. And then I did not send you the email. Yeah, me too. And it was, it was a wonderful example of it. And I was, I was scared of it because it could have it never ends up in a shouting match, but you know, it could have gone on. And actually within about three minutes of talking to each other, I think we both realized that actually everything's okay. And Hey, humans talking to each other is sometimes the solution, always the solution to things. Well, while you were talking before already, I've kind of had, had the realization that, that it's funny that at least the stereotypical software developer slash tester, I don't know, sorry for being stereotypical here, but don't like to talk or don't like conflict. But at the same time, one, one of the most effective techniques of getting unstuck in, in something is to, to do like rubber duck debugging, like taking a rubber duck and talking to it. And yeah, so, so part of empathetic management for one is yeah, being a rubber duck. But at the same time, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny that this great technique of getting unstuck isn't used as or it seems to in a stereotypical way isn't seem to be used often enough like just talking to people and talking through it and kind of like validating your assumptions or falsifying your assumptions yeah i think i'd even extend it to i think as a general rule we as, we as humans are not are not necessarily as good as we could be at saying okay this is a potential conflict situation and I'm going to go into this. It's, it's not, it's not just in, uh, in, not just in software development testing. And I think, so this is, oh goodness, this is where it gets really deep. I think that it probably stems from the fact that we're not very, we're not used to really thinking about uh, what are my needs and what are my values and what are my internal rules? Because a lot of these things, a lot of the time when we have a really large emotional reaction to something, it's because something that I believe so, so strongly it is part of who I am. It's part of my genetic makeup, if, if you like, has just been flouted. And I'm often not even capable of telling you what that is. And I've been, I've been observing myself a lot uh, recently. And, and I know, for example, so I flip out at airports. If planes are late and then we have long queues and they don't tell us what's happening, even though I can see on the website that it's already delayed and they haven't told us anything here, I get really angry. And that was really frustrating. And, and it drives my husband crazy as well. Because he's like, just chill, you know, the flight will come or it won't come or whatever. And I realized that the reason I get so angry at that is because for me, I have, I have the rules that things should be fair, which this isn't very fair, flight being late isn't fair, that people should be polite, which I don't see it as being, it's very British of me. It's not very polite not to tell somebody if they're being delayed. And I have a belief that processes should run well. I'm fully aware that these things they are never going to be the case. But knowing, knowing that this is how I am helps me to deal with that. Um, and so I, I'm trying to take that. And I'm, obviously, I'm not doing like counseling sessions with, with people. I, I, that's, you don't want to get into that. But if they're having a reaction to something to say, okay, what, what are you feeling? 
what would you like? What would make you happy right now? Um, because sometimes asking those questions can, can get you closer. And most especially, and this is where it comes, I guess, comes back into the idea of empathy, not, not telling, not dismissing people's feelings and, and not telling them in the, in the condescending way to calm down. I think that, I think that that's, that can get, I think it's one of my roles that if people are not calm, that they can feel safe to come to me and be not calmer. And if that means crying or if it means shouting or if it means just sitting there quietly, sometimes some people need that. And, and I'm going to be the last person to tell them that they can't come and do that because that might make them calm enough for when they need to be to go and have that conversation with someone else because otherwise things might get in the way. Um, so accepting feelings and knowing where they come from and saying this is okay, that is, that is all part and parcel of it for me. And now you see full circle why, <laughs> why it can be so exhausting if you, if you take all of that too much to heart. <laughs> yeah. Also, what you just said reminded me of like my, my kind of, I don't know, general rule of your will that, yeah, kind of like great, great managers or great, great leaders, they, one of the most important qualities from my point of view they should have or must have is like self-reflection, strong self-reflection in a, in a, in a certain degree or to, to a certain degree. Mm. And because if you have that, you can like ask yourself, okay, why does this make me angry? You're kind of used to, to observing yourself and um, asking yourself these questions. And if you do that with yourself a lot, and if you're kind of used to the, to the, to do that, then you can help others do that too and help them and yeah, create a, maybe not a full culture of it, but, it, but at least enable others to do that. Yeah. Lead by example, what you, what you said earlier. Yeah. And I think even, even just saying these, these are internal rules that I have, that's, that's being reasonably open um, because theoretically somebody could take that and say, now I really know how to annoy Alex. I, but I don't, like I say, I, I'm not going to let myself be led by the fear that someone will do that. I would rather know that they know that I reflect. And then, and then if you, if you are given feedback or if you get feedback and you say, thank you, I will think about that, then people are likely to believe that you will at least think about it. The downside, and this is one thing I have noticed, is that sometimes, and I don't know, I don't know what the best way of saying this is, I, I believe that I'm good at communicating. Um, and I believe that I do that well enough that people feel that they can come and talk to me. Sometimes if those people aren't quite as practiced at communicating as I am, I'm trying to make this sound like I'm not a guru, but like this is the thing. Um, then sometimes what you end up getting is completely unstructured vomit. <laughs> like, here, is, here is stuff that I'm just going to throw at you. And I might not have thought whether it's hurtful or how you might reflect on this. And there, there are days when I'm like, why do I have to be the adult all of the time? <laughs> like, why can't I just flip out and get and usually I come down to, because this is what I'm good at and I practice. And that doesn't mean that other people can't be good at and practice it. But yeah, sometimes there is that kind yeah. of, I don't want to be the adult today. I want to be the one that gets to have the screaming fits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the, that's this is what I meant in the beginning with this. Leaders cannot have bad days. It's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, you're, it, sums, it sometimes feels like, yeah, you, you always have to be the adult, um, which of course is, is, is not true and unfair, but yeah, things are messy. Yeah, sometimes like I, I remember doing a communication course and, and there's like two, two ways of dealing with, with things and I forget what they're called. And one of them is the one that feels really good for you, but doesn't actually help the conversation. And the other one is the one that might be not quite authentic for you in that moment, but really helps the conversation. And, and I, I, I quite visibly see myself sometimes in front of this crossroads. <laughs> and I think it's fine to admit that because I'm human too. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it's important to recognize and 
that in order to be empathetic in your management style or in your management practices, yeah, you also have to be, uh, others have to be empathetic towards you too. Yes, that's a thing that I would, I would like. And, and I'm aware that for some of the things that because of my role, I am the one that my needs may be the ones that get put back a little bit for a certain amount of time. But as a general rule, yes. And actually, this works really, really well with my team. My team are, they look after me, which is good. You know, they'll say, hey, Alex, have you had a break <laughs> this week? Or you're still, you know, you still look like you're maybe not, you're not very well. Are you sure you should be in? And that, yes, I should be looking after myself better. <laughs> uh, I am willing to admit that. But it's lovely to have other people around you who are looking out for you. And I do the same thing for them. And that's, I think that's how it should be. Everybody looking out for each other. Yes, yes. We're kind of approaching the end here. Would you would you say that your view of empathetic management has has changed a bit in the last forty five minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's grown. Um, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to find so some of the things we've talked about about being uh, about being open yourself and and especially the stuff about conflict management um and dealing with conflicts on the one hand that's that's got to be part of any management strategy how you that that is, that is life right but finding out ways how you can say okay if, if you're doing this particular style then you might want to apply this in this way uh, that's definitely something that i can that i can take away and think about um it's been nice to it's been nice to explore it because this is a thing that's very much i'm living it i'm exploring it i'm thinking about it and as an for me one of the best ways that I that I figure out what I think is to talk about it. So this has been this has been fantastic, and yeah, I hope. I wonder how much we've rambled. <laughs> yeah, we, we've certainly been rubber ducks for each other. Yeah, and yeah, thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for your time for talking about this thank messy you. stuff with me. And yeah, thank you too. See you soon, I guess. <laughs>